there, I'm Dr. Amy King, and this podcast is The Most Important Medicine. If you are a physician or healthcare provider, this podcast is for you. This is where we learn about trauma-informed medicine and ways to build resilience and healthcare organizations. We do this through stories, through your stories and the stories of others, professionals and patients. We want to listen to each other to transform medicine with compassion and curiosity about what it means to be a trauma-responsive practice or provider. Every time you join me, I want you to leave with practical tools and hear information that you can use with patients right away. And if you're a nurse, I encourage you to go to rnegade.pro and get credits for listening today. Well, friends, today it's just me and you, and I am taking you behind the scenes a bit into my learning collaborative. I host a monthly learning collaborative called the Provider Lounge. It's a learning collaborative to create resilience in trauma-informed spaces. We join together physicians, behavioral health consultants, and we learn not just what it means to be trauma-responsive, but tools that really help us put those into practice. And so I recently gave a talk at the Oregon Academy of Pediat- of excuse me, Family Physicians and the Oregon Pediatric Society around the idea of boundaries. And this was a topic that I had covered back in January of Provider Lounge as well. So in Provider Lounge, we're really looking at content, getting continuing medical education, but we're really also being in community to talk about hard things, to lean into hard conversations and to be champions around creating resilience uh, for your patients and learning tools that can really help you take care of yourself in not just performative self-care ways, but really genuine ways that promote your wellness. And so January, we talked about boundaries. It's a really tricky thing to talk about, as you know, in healthcare, because there's this continuum of boundaries, which I'm gonna dive into in just a moment. But I thought it would be just really interesting and maybe fun for some of you to see what we cover in the Provider Lounge. And I encourage all of you to take advantage of coming to a free Provider Lounge meeting. That is always in the show notes. You can come and join us and see if it's the right space for you. If it is, oh my gosh, you're just going to love this community of you know, like-minded physicians who really, A, need a space to talk about hard things with other people who know what it's like and what they're going through, and B, learn kind of tips and tools about how to manage the tough stuff that you come up against in medicine from someone like me who is a psychologist steeped in development, in uh, resilience, and in trauma-informed care. So let's dive into talking about what I'm calling the B word, boundaries. Okay. If you are watching me right now on our YouTube channel, my desk is a mess. Things are a little chaotic in my office because I am preparing for my mini retreat on Cards for Connection. I'll link up to that in the show notes as well. Uh, But Cards for Connection is my um, trademarked curriculum that I created on how we build resilience at every encounter with patients. 
and I have some incredible physicians coming to my farm this weekend. And so if you're watching me on YouTube, which I encourage all of you to do if you are learners that learn better from seeing versus listening, um, my desk is a mess. And if I showed you more of it, you would maybe not listen to me anymore because I am just uh, in a state of chaos this week preparing for things. So uh, speaking of boundaries, right? Um, I am going to practice some really good boundaries after the retreat and just take some time off for the rest of the weekend. Well, let's dive into this tricky thing around boundaries. When I talked to the Oregon Academy of Family Physicians and the Oregon Pediatric Society, I said to them, we can actually be both clear and kind. And so I'll break that down in just a moment. But let's just dive in and talk about what, what do you think of when you first hear the term boundaries? You know, sometimes we imagine this line in the sand and it's like, if you don't, if you cross that, you'll never come back from it. Or, you know, these ultimatums that we create where it's like, do this and then this will happen, this drastic consequence. But boundaries really aren't meant to be lines in the sand. Boundaries are really meant to be ways to stay in a relationship, whether that relationship be with a person, a colleague, a team member, a system. And I also wanna reiterate some really important things. Boundaries are unique, meaning they're your very own. Your boundaries don't look like another person's. They don't look like your office mate. They don't look like another clinic manager. They don't look like another physician. They are self-determined. And it's important to recognize that boundaries can be time limited. Right now, for instance, the example I gave is that I'm in a space of trying to celebrate my daughter's senior year of high school. We're calling it the year of Sophia. And so I'm very boundaried about my time this year. And when I say boundaries are a way of staying in a relationship, let me give you an example. If something interferes with me participating in some type of event of my daughter's as she celebrates her last year of high school, it's a no for me. If it's other things and I'm excited and passionate about using my time for that, it's a yes for me. But I've been really clear about really protecting this year of my daughter. Boundaries are also scary for some people, whereas they're welcomed by others. So as we talk about boundaries today, I just want you to think a bit about, do boundaries feel kind of scary and overwhelming for me? Or it's like, yeah, I am so good at these. Tell me more. I want to get better at these. I think boundaries are also not necessarily implicit, especially in the field of medicine. And we'll talk about that a bit more when I talk about the unwritten curriculum of medicine. And you probably heard the co-founders of Tend Health talk about that if you listened to last week's episode as well. I encourage you to go back and take a listen if you haven't. Finally, what I would say is that boundaries require a little space to unfold. I really want you to be intentional about boundaries, think through boundaries. Often other people are handing us their boundary and saying, this is the way you should do this. When in actuality, you don't have to take on somebody else's. You can give yourself a little bit of spaciousness and time to think about what boundaries look like for you. So how do we create appropriate boundaries, appropriate boundaries for you? As a reminder, boundaries are personal. They can be professional. They can be systemic, meaning the system in which you work. And they're necessary because they tell somebody what's okay and what's not okay. So let's talk about some ways this comes up in healthcare. It can come up with your colleagues, other people that you work with. It could come up with patients that you're seeing in your office or in the hospital setting. It could come up with your team. 
it could also come up with yourself, right? How you create a boundary for yourself in relationship to any of those other parties. It might come up like collegial discord, right? In other words, disagreeing with someone that you work with. It might come up when those lines between your business relationship and your personal relationship get a little bit blurred. It might come up with difficult patients or difficult families, you know? I know that at the beginning of the pandemic, healthcare heroes, healthcare workers were being hailed as heroes. And now I often hear from healthcare providers that they're feeling like they are scapegoats for people's frustration as they continue to navigate, navigate the pandemic and post-pandemic feelings. Uh, it might also come up just around expectations about your workload, your role, deadlines that are there. But I want you to think about boundaries like a continuum. Everything on one end of the continuum where you're completely boundaryless, and the other end of the continuum where you're completely boundaried. And I'm going to break that down for you. Okay, what does it mean to be completely boundaried? I really think this is the unwritten curriculum of healthcare. And like I said, my friends Joan and Tina talked about that. They're the co-founders of Tend Health, and they work within a lot of healthcare systems. It's that feeling that you have to always be a consummate professional. You have to always have the answers, remain stoic, right? Not letting anybody see how you feel. Um, tons of self-sacrifice, hero, hero, excuse me, heroism for long hours, not taking breaks, not going to the bathroom, not eating, that your patients become your primary focus, and that your identity as a physician or provider is everything in you. So that's on one end of the continuum, completely boundaried, right? Never let them see you sweat. I mean, I so remember this in my graduate school education where I would be told, you know, to be really clear about how I was interacting with a patient, um, not to feel too sad if a child was really continuing to struggle, um, if I was tearful after a really traumatic session. Um, I was told to kind of pull it together and not show emotions about my patients, even though it wasn't in front of my patient. It was just after and I was trying to process these really complex feelings that came up. But that's what it means to be completely boundaried, always being the professional, um, really having your entire identity become what you do instead of who you are. On the other end of the continuum is when you're completely boundaryless. And that's really what healthcare pulls from you, right? You're doing EHR all the time. If you haven't heard of pajama time, I'm sure you're doing it, even if you haven't heard it called that, right? Where you work at your clinic all day and then you go home, you put on your PJs and you continue to work and finish your EHR. It means that you're missing vacations and birthdays and parties and celebrations. You're taking extra call, extra clinic, and you're the helper for everyone. That's when you're on the other end of things where it's completely boundary-less what happens then? Like, I want you to think about what's the ultimate cost on both ends of the continuum. So if we're too boundaried, then you're kind of disconnected from people. Um, you're unrelatable really as a human because you're almost in this robotic state of being a provider. Uh, or another way to think about it is people see you as, like I said, that healthcare hero. Uh, where you can do incredible things. You're like a superhero with superpower. You don't need sleep. You don't need food. You don't need to go to the bathroom. But what that means is that then you're not humanized. And I really want you to be your whole self in healthcare. So when we're too boundary, we can be disconnected and the consummate hero versus a human and completely unrelatable 
as human beings. When we're entirely boundaryless and not setting any boundaries, then you're at risk of leaving the profession, right? How many of you think about this that are listening have thought about leaving healthcare entirely because it's just too much? You're at risk of burnout. And there are a lot of episodes in The Most Important Medicine where you can hear provider stories about burnout. And you're at increased risk for suicide. The most recent estimate of physician-completed suicide is three to 400 per year. So there is a huge cost on either end of the continuum being too boundaried or boundaryless. And what I'm going to get to in terms of the moral of the story is I really want you to find this delicate balance of in the middle, right? In the middle where we have some boundaries, but we're not completely boundaryless. There's a quote that I absolutely love by Prentice Hemphill, and it goes like this. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Just think about that for a minute. In other words, I can care about you, I can support you, and I can also take care of me. It's a really interesting way of thinking about it if you consider it that way. So let's talk about duality for just a minute when it comes to boundaries in healthcare, in any field, really. First of all, a duality means that we're holding two truths, two things that seem like they might be opposing, but they can actually go together. I'll give you a personal example. I'm the oldest of five siblings. I love my siblings. They're incredible. They're my friends. I love relating to them. And they make me nuts sometimes. I can't stand them. They make me angry. We get in fights. And I'm sure they feel that way about me too. So when it comes to boundaries, it's its own duality. There are two truths, what's okay and what's not okay. In other words, what do I need from this person or the system or my clinic or the hospital to stay in a relationship and what's not okay? In other words, if there are certain things that aren't honored or aren't heard or listened to or appreciated or accepted, I feel like I cannot be in that relationship with that person. Another way to think about it, if you're thinking about like what's okay and what's not okay is what conditions are there that you're like, heck yes, I want to be in this relationship. I want to create a holding space. And what is like an absolutely no, I cannot endure this any longer. It is not sustainable for me. So either way you want to look at it, you know, it's a way of holding two truths, what's okay and what's not okay. Right. So kind of understand what boundaries are, understand that it's individual team systems. You understand that it's how to be in a relationship, not creating ultimatums. But ultimately boundaries can feel kind of tough because I think when we're in healthcare or in helping professions, it's hard for us sometimes to have these tough conversations. And so I wanna come back to this idea of how we can have tough conversations and give tough feedback, have these hard talks uh, with a little bit more confidence. So let's talk about first, why does it feel hard to talk about boundaries or have tough conversations? The first thing is a lot of us resist giving that feedback because we feel like we're, other people are going to tell us or say bad things about us. In other words, if I'm saying I want to do a job share or I can only work 35 hours a week or I want to make sure to not take my records home or I need to be available and I can't take call this weekend um, for someone at my clinic, 
we feel like we might be judged or get negative feedback from the organization, from a colleague, from a team member. I think it also feels really hard because boundaries can feel subjective, right? Whose boundary? I mean, like, this is what feels okay for me. But like I said, boundaries are unique. They are self-directed. And so even though it may feel subjective, it doesn't mean that subjectivity decreases legitimacy. It's still legitimate to have that boundary. It also feels really hard because you're kind of giving your opinion and providing direction to engage in some kind of self-care and wellness. And let's be honest, helpers are not well-practiced at that. Whenever possible, I'd love it if you talked about boundaries and gave this type of feedback in person so things weren't misinterpreted. I think it's hard to give feedback in, you know, your EHR system or via text or messaging, for instance. And so I'll give you the same rule I give my daughter and son who are teenagers. Uh, texts, EHR for that matter, are for facts. And phone calls or in-person are for feelings or tough conversations. So just something to think about, right? When we're wanting to have these conversations. The other thing that I think can really help frame how we talk about boundaries is what we call the four C's of communication. So you wanna set a boundary with someone, right? The first thing I want you to do is go in and honor the first C, context. Honor the relationship, provide a narrative. Talk about, you know, it's really important for me to, I love this clinic and I want to work really hard for my patients. And then you go on to the next C, content, what's going on. But it's really hard for me when you continue to double book me right before my lunch hour, because it makes me really grumpy and I'm not able to get lunch in. And then I don't have energy to work in the afternoon. And then you move on to the third C, completion. So it sounds like we're going to double book me sometimes in the morning or in the early afternoon, but we're going to try really hard to stay away from that just before lunch. And the fourth C is something that just gives us even greater context, which is check the story. One of the best ways to ruin a story is by hearing the other side, right? And so you might, if we use the example of getting double booked, be super furious with somebody in the front office because they change things or move things. And you're like, why is this happening again? I feel like we talked about that. When in actuality, maybe the front office person is getting a lot of pressure from the office manager or from someone at higher up in a hospital system. And they're afraid that if they don't double book you, they're gonna be um, getting anger or be at the receiving end of some kind of a performance review. So. Let's just go back to that really quickly. When we give tough feedback, we're going to try to always do it in person. And we're going to look at the four C's of communication. Context, where we honor the relationship. Content, where we talk about what's going on, what's working well, and what's not working. Completion, any review or decisions. And then finally, check the story, the fourth C. Okay, let's move on here. What do I mean when I said at the beginning that we can state boundaries and still be clear and kind, being warm and firm? I really want you to embrace the fact that when we set boundaries very clearly, that being clear is kind. That when we are clear and kind, it increases the sincerity that we're talking to other people. If we go back and we use that example of creating boundaries around the lunch hour, right? I actually worked with a family physician who was trying to do this. 
And what she said is that at first, when she set that boundary, she was being flexible about other times she could be double booked, but just not before lunch. And at first she was kind of seen as like the hard physician to work with or being difficult. But when she was very clear, but also kind, she wasn't threatening to leave, right? She wanted to stay in the relationship. She talked about how important her patients mattered. It really began to build trust with people in her organization. You can be empathic and trustworthy without oversharing or being too vulnerable. But ultimately when we're both clear and kind or what I call warm and firm, it creates trust with your colleagues, with your patients and with your staff. There is a lot of really incredible work in the area of creating cultures of trust. And we may do that in a, another podcast, but for now, I'll link up to the show notes to Charles Feldman's work, who really does a lot of incredible organizational work about how we create cultures of trust. But I want to wrap up for today by just giving you some practical ideas from other providers and physicians that I've worked with who are working really hard at creating boundaries. Okay. So first of all, um, set limits on your patient portals. I was talking to a pediatrician who said that parents were just putting stories upon stories in these patient portals and it was overwhelming his MA and overwhelming him. And pretty soon he realized that they could set a, a character count limit in the portal so that it didn't feel so cumbersome to he or his MA. And he also gave his MA permission that if it became too much in the portal to review, to just call the family and encourage them to come in for a visit. So setting limits on patient portals. Interestingly, last week, I talked to another physician provider in an FQHC, and she said, actually, I do it the opposite. I'd rather they write loads in the patient portal than I know their story and they feel heard. I review it very briefly before I walk into the exam room, and they really know that I've cared enough to review some of that, and we can get right to the point of the story. So again, do you see how those two boundaries are different, but they're still about honoring the relationship and listening to the patient? And it's self-directed by that physician. doesn't have to look the same. Um, some more ideas. Reconsider your workflow. Sometimes we have to decide, well, at this time or season in my life, I shouldn't be the administrator of this organization. I don't have to be the chair of my position at the hospital. I don't have to take on additional tasks or workforce force groups because I have kids under five or I'm going through a really hard time in my life or somebody that I love is sick. So you can always reconsider workflow and administrative tasks and pace based on the season of your life. Um, you could hire a scribe. There are a lot of physicians that hire scribes or what they also offer is if I'm not going to hire somebody at work, I might have to hire a housekeeper or hire an errand runner, um, just other ways to free up time so that they can spend time doing things that they really love. I know a lot of you create boundaries by doing job shares or doing locum tenens work. Um, I was working with a nurse who really experienced a great deal of loss in the height of COVID. And she just was getting to that point of completely boundaryless, right? To the point of burnout and didn't want to be in the profession anymore, wanted to leave the profession. All of a sudden she decided to embrace doing locum tenens. And now she's traveling all over the country. And in fact, has gone to other countries and done some locum tenens nurse work. And she's loving nursing again. Uh, leave work at work. I know, easier said than done. Um, but I can tell you, if little by little you start to create boundaries around work and workflow, you will find ways that you can leave work there. There's a physician that I work with who says he's really clear with his family. He stays a half hour late. 
after clinic to get as much EHR paperwork done. And then he leaves the rest there. There's another physician that I work with that said, you know, I kind of finish everything and I'm rushing to my kids activities after school and to get dinner ready. And then I realized like, it's okay. It's still going to be there tomorrow. Um, so just giving you permission whenever possible to leave work at work. The next thing is having a, a work wife or work buddy. There's a lot of research around this in the field of organization, organizational management, where if we kind of are checking in on someone else, we're more likely to make sure they're setting boundaries and taking care of themselves because we're in this helping profession. So, you know, giving somebody else permission to be your workplace buddy and saying, you know, hey, have you taken vacation or have I seen you eat lunch today? Or do you want to just go on a walk and get some fresh air? So just ideas like that can be as simple as like how your day works or how the workflow feels or making sure you get breaks during the day by having a workplace buddy or advocate. Um, some more ideas from, from friends and colleagues of yours, not judging yourself by other people's standards. I think I've said that, but it's worth repeating. Everybody's boundaries and structure are individual and self-directed. And finally, look for some mentorship. The reason I brought you into this podcast today around boundaries is because within our community of the Provider Lounge, we are always talking about these hard things like how do we create boundaries? Last month, we talked about how do we talk about and handle grief that people in healthcare experience. Previously, we've talked about the art of listening and how, how hard but important it is to listen to the stories of others. Other times this year, we're going to be talking about attunement and how we um, try to prevent re-traumatization of ourselves and our patients. So I would really strongly encourage you to invest in some kind of a mentorship group or coaching program or community program. It doesn't have to be provider lounge, but find something where you can find a safe place to land with other like-minded professionals who really can say, I get it. I can relate to everything you're going through. This is important. And I'm here to be with you and hear your story. And then finally, do a little bit of boundary homework. Um, I will put in the show notes a two-sided worksheet on creating boundaries. It even has a script on the backside. So when you're ready, you can go to my website, www.dramyllc.com. You can go to free resources. The boundary worksheet is right there along with invitations to the provider lounge and other ways to really continue to get this support from me and from your colleagues. So that's it for today, friends. Um, I really want to encourage you to join us in the Provider Lounge to do the boundary homework. I know that talking about boundaries can feel really tough at times. That's why I called it the B word. But hopefully today you got some practical tools and some tangible advice that you can use for yourself, with your clinic, and with patients right away. All right. Bye for now. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing in this space, I invite you to join us in the Provider Lounge, a learning collaborative to build resilience. It's an incredible group of physicians who meet monthly, get CME, and lean into conversations about trauma, resilience, and other tough topics. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing your own, because your humanity will heal others. We'll talk soon.